Welcome to episode 14 of Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Who goes first tonight? I'll just let you guys decide. I'll go. I'm right here, man. man. Peter Crable here. Checking in. Casey Siddons. C.H. Siddons. At. Is the echo before? At C.H. Siddons. At Peter Crable. And at R.W. Dodd. And most importantly, at Ed's Not Dead PC. Welcome back, boys. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. Thank you. Uh, We got great feedback on episode 13 with our friend Rick Wormley, who... Talked about standards-based grading and differentiation. There were some uh, semi-spicy exchanges. Um, I don't think uh, not Rick, with us. No, but Rick Rick had one this oh, past week. Yeah. yeah, with some with some trolls with the, with the only mean Canadian educator trolls <laughs> in the world. Right? <laughs> he found the only mean and disrespectful Canadians and, ever. And, and I have to tell you that when I when I saw that back and forth. I am tempted to call out the mean Canadian trolls on the show. I can, thought can, about can, it. Can we do that? Yeah, we're going to do it before. Well, it's one over. of the guys started following me, so I'm a little afraid that I'm going to start getting trolled, <laughs> and I'm very close to blocking But him. how didn't you get mad when they were talking about how direct instruction is the most effective way to meet all kids' needs? Can you believe that I had self-control you to didn't not even, respond? You didn't even I, 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 re- I replied to several tweets, but then deleted them. I almost yeah. – I didn't send it. Yeah, so you must have been like a meeting or something. Oh. I just didn't. You know what? I didn't want to. I I didn't want to continue to be a part of the negativity that's already on Twitter. Right. And I just didn't want to be a part of it. I want to be on there for positive reasons and to try to further the conversation, not to get bogged down into the negativity. Yeah. Well, it's easy to be mean and and to throw out bombs and the proverbial bombs, but. Our friend of the show, Rick Wormley, handled it very well. He did. Yeah. yeah. He got to the point where he did refer to them as smarmy. Smart. That was yeah, good. I like that. I think that made them mad. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so so episode 13 was a big hit. We've got lots of downloads, right, Mr. Krabs? We yeah, know you. We know you follow the downloads. I finally got the password, and so... That was always the danger. I was like, Casey, don't give me the don't give me the password because I'm going to check obsessively. Do you, no, do you no, want, I haven't. Just do you want to give us an Ed's Not Dead uh, website update? Yeah, yeah, I mean, go there and check it out. It's you know, I don't know, ninety percent of the way done, and uh, we're going to be adding some updates. Anybody wants to look at it, we've had I think a couple hundred views so far, so that's pretty cool. But okay. if they have any suggestions about ways to to optimize uh, improving it, but yeah, it's it's coming along, and we're going to be looking at it more this week and. I got some some updates to show you guys after the show. That's very exciting. Very good. Okay, so on today's episode, we have a big show as we always do. You talk about feedback? Yeah, we are. But I oh sorry, I'm going to tell the audience what we're what we're going to be talking about. Okay, go ahead. Frame it. Um, We're going to have a little discussion about school safety and security in light of the tragic events at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High on Valentine's Day. Uh, in February, that was um, for all educators for the whole country. It has been um, not only a tragic event, but has now been the impetus for a lot of discussion about school safety and security and even larger issues like the Second Amendment, gun control. And so we're going to we're going to start to wade into that, I think, in future episodes. Right. We're going to get a little bit more into it, um, but we're going to delve into our initial thoughts about it tonight. Yeah. I mean, this issue is not going away. So no. hopefully as it continues and there's marches and rallies and walkouts, we yep. can continue to to come back to it and uh, and talk about progress that's being made. Yep. And, um, and we'd like to get some kids on the show Yeah, uh, to hear what they have to say, because obviously they've been the most affected by these events. And they're the ones that are keeping the message 
Better, uh, than, better than the adults. Yep. Yep. Yeah, adults aren't so great with being consistent. Once mm-hmm. once kids figure out something they want, they don't tend to give, <laughs> they don't tend to give up, right? Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we as parents, except for you, Mister Sids, we know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, we are going to talk about the Janus versus Ask Me uh, <laughs> court decision that's coming up with the Supreme Court, which is basically about. First Amendment speech and uh, public sector unions, mm-hmm. which will have huge implications for our profession, education, uh, potentially. So we want to get into that. But first, show feedback. 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 Okay. Okay, that was totally... <laughs> You didn't like the you didn't like the song. You need to edit that. He's no, he's embarrassed. Keep it in. His face turned red. No, it's not. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to start. No, I was going to start. Yeah. Uh, Friend of the show, Jack Shatama, on Facebook. That was a nice post. That was a very nice post. Totally unsolicited. Read it Um, for us. He was uh, my brother's uh, best friend growing up. Was he really? Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a he's a great guy, and he obviously likes Ed's Not Dead. Yeah. Um, you're lying, Mr. Crable. You <laughs> I was going to say you don't, you don't even know him. I'm um, uh, my wheels are turning very slow because I'm like I don't think that's yeah. he's, he's a liar. accurate. He's I stole a, Robbie's line. He's a liar. <laughs> he's as smart as your brother, unlike you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, okay, so Jack wrote to all my educator friends: This podcast is witty, uh, entertaining but most of all shares varying and insightful opinions on how we can get the best out of our educational efforts for our children. I think that's a nice summary of what we're about. Um, I should also say that one of the hosts is my good friend, Robert Dodd. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's a little bit biased. So spread the word that, to those who may benefit. So thanks to Jack for very nice. spreading the Ed's Not Dead word. Uh, Mr. Sids, what do you got? I got a text from an old friend of ours, whom you may know. His name is Peter Dedone. Oh, nice. Principal of Urbana Middle School. P. Diddy. P. Dids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he said, uh, we were chatting back and forth, and he really liked the Rick Wormley show, and he texted me, and he said, uh, and I actually want to get your thoughts on it. He said, bottom line is a school system has to have or build a perpetual cultural mindset that allows open dialogue to change something as substantive, substantive as grading and reporting. Okay, I don't know what that means. I like it. The the other part of it, you don't know what that means. <laughs> do you want me to repeat it? Do you want me to yeah, send it to you? It just reminds me of sitting in meetings with Peter <laughs> where I didn't totally know what he was talking about. Anyway, go ahead. The the other part of it, he said, he, he said that in terms of grading, you need the very top of leadership to the school-based leader uh, to embrace the patience and a long-term process to impact that kind of change, that, that kind of cultural shift. It takes time. It does. When I think the first quote is really saying that um, – you should always be asking yourself, is what we're doing working? Yeah. Is it in the best interest of kids? Right. How do we know? And so, yeah, but you got to get there. So where everybody's kind of comfortable with saying, instead of, oh, let's just do it to do it, because yep. I know how to do it. Yeah. Well, why? Why are we yeah. doing it? So, so well, I wonder... Well, and, and Dedone, friend of the show, Peter Dedone, is an innovator yep. and, and, is always, and is always somebody that asks why. Yep. Why, yep. Are, why are we doing it? How can we do it better? So on a on a similar note, you what kind of shift and I, I guess I'm getting off topic, but what kind of shift happened when uh the fifty percent rule was instituted? Because that was a county shift from the top, I imagine, right? And I imagine it also caused 
some consternation. Yeah, I mean, I was a principal at the time. And again, you guys know that my bread and butter was elementary education, not secondary. Right. So the 50% rule completely kind of left me cold and unaffected. I mean, it just seemed like it made good sense to me for kids. Um, you know, zeros have always, they're, they're not something that um, elementary educators really use that 100 point scale. Right. And that's not. That's just not really a part of the game in elementary school. And were you, Peter, were you in middle school during that time? As a student? Yeah. Uh, when did the 50% no. rule oh, no. start? Uh, the 50% rule was probably, in, in our experience, in the system that we work in, I would, I would guess, I'm supposed to be the historian of the show, right? Yes. I would I would probably guess anywhere between 2005 and 2008. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, fairly it was, recent. It, it was, it was, I think you guys were probably both in the classroom by the time. Yeah. It came yeah. Out. I don't remember its implementation per se, but I will say that as a young teacher, as a new teacher, um, I, I don't think I was a fan of it. You know, I definitely, I think, had the mindset of like, pound of flesh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get it. Well, I'm going to stick it to yeah. you. Yeah. I'm going to learn you. You deserve this. This yeah. is what you got. You give what you deserve. Right. Yeah. But this is what you deserve is a zero because you didn't turn anything in. You couldn't be responsible enough to turn something in. Right. So, I mean, honestly, it's really been like a, for me at least, you know, like a 10-year kind of mindset shift in terms of seeing how it plays out in the classroom, affects student sure. achievement, demoralizes kids, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I you know, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that I was... Not progressive I, in I, that sense. I'm in the same boat in terms of just not being on board with it at first. But as a as a as a rule follower in my first couple of years of teaching, where I was like, "Oh yeah, whatever, just tell me what I need to do." Uh, I was I was like, "Okay, fifty percent rule." Yep. Yeah, and I came to middle school at a time where um, I hadn't really been a part of prior um, grading systems. So it didn't really mean that much to me. I mean, I think it makes great educational sense for kids. And I'm a big fan of um, multiple attempts. Mm -hmm. I call them approximations at learning, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple attempts in, in, in multiple formats. I mean, I think that, that can kids um, show what they know in multiple ways over time towards mastery. Right. I think that's what Rick is talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the fifty percent rule is the pound. Uh, the the old way was just oh, it's just revenge. Yeah, it is. It is. It's just revenge. Yeah. I mean, I remember a few teachers saying to me, "You mean they can just write their name on the paper and oh, show yeah, that, that was, they show that they tried?" That was the line. Yeah, that was the line. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, speaking of, hold on, real quick. Speaking that, of um, Casey's it. first year teaching. Uh oh. Do you happen, were, you, were you present for that? I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. started together. All yeah. Right. Do you happen to have your um, your your teacher ID from that year? I do. I would love for you to tweet out a picture. <laughs> All right, can we tweet out a picture of it? Of you? I, absolutely. You, you yeah. totally with my parted hair. Yeah. No, he he had hair. He had hair. Oh, yeah. that, that hair. No way. It was my last year with hair. He looks really bizarre. <laughs> I bet you I have it saved on my computer. Oh, I, I got. Would, we I we, like we have to tweet that, that out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mr. Sid, you have to share that. I'm going to look for it right now. <laughs> All right, first year first year teacher pick. All right. Any other feedback from the show on the show? Yes, I did, but I, I'm not going to be able to find it in time. Okay, sorry. That's lame. <laughs> That's lame. Any feedback from oh, you, Mr. Craze? We never ask you well, because nobody ever gives me any feedback. I, I, you never interact with anyone. Come on, nothing. <laughs> nothing. No. Did your wife have anything to say about episode thirteen? Uh, she doesn't really listen. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Here's so friend of the show, Kaz, and friend of the show, Maria Davis. 
yeah. math teacher. Uh, Kaz tweeted out, zeros don't teach responsibility any more than corporal punishment did. Anyone who uses grades to punish student needs to reflect on the main purpose of grades, student feedback, and growth. Giving a zero is like kicking a kid off the basketball team for missing a free throw. And then Maria uh, replied, and she said, agreed. The question I struggle with, what do you do when a student doesn't turn in a grading, graded assignment, like an exit card, a project? Don't want to excuse it, which would show low expectations and not holding students accountable. So I usually put in a Z, which is, which is said that the kid didn't hand it in. Uh, until I get it from them, and then I'll hound them about it. And my reply was, what's the harm in just giving that child that didn't hand it in just going straight for 50%? Just giving them the 50%? Yeah, you, you get the they 50%. Still, still failed. You tell the kid, the kids as a whole, you know, my classroom practice, if you see a 50% in, in the grade book, it just, it, that communicates to them that you haven't turned it in. Oh, so, so- Anything above that is 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 fair game was that is that with the understanding though that they can get a, are they going to get another crack at it oh absolutely and lose points that they can't get full credit what if they i wouldn't I, well my i wouldn't if they take, turned it in late and then they do a bang up job they'd be able to get the same grade potentially as a kid that turned it in on time and did a bang up job. i would say i my own See, beliefs, I, I, I get a little conservative there my own beliefs is you've shown competency you you've you've submitted it in late you know we with as adults People hand in late things late all the time. Yeah, but when you hand in, when I went to the emissions place and I was late the other day, I had to pay a fifteen dollar late fee. What is this? There, the, were, there was a charge for being late, right? I mean, there's 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 a consequence in being late. Sometimes Robbie learning doesn't happen <laughs> on a timeline. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I just think I, I, I think if you show, they turn it in today or next week, okay, that's just fine. do it. Did you show okay. competency? Did you did you correctly? Do what you're supposed to do. Okay, but I just I just think that grades reflect learning. Okay, Rick Wormley taught us this last week. <laughs> but but have you forgotten already? But we do have teachers that think very strategically about due dates and deadlines. Right? They tell their kids that. Yeah. And they want to hold their kids accountable for that. So I mean, I don't know if if you go into it with an understanding that if you turn it in late, you'll still get a fifty percent, and then if you do it, you're still going to lose some points because you didn't do it on time. So then grades I, don't reflect learning. We should do that with teachers and their timesheets. If they well, don't hand it in on time, they get a, they get their pay doc. Do grades just reflect academic learning, or do they reflect habits of mind? Do no. they do they they don't just, work they don't no. reflect work study skills at no. all? No. But the fifty percent rule reflects effort. Right? No, the fifty percent rule changes the grading scale from a ten point scale to a five point scale. So it takes out the six out of ten ways to fail and makes it so there's only four ways. But uh, what? Five ways but what do you have to get to get a fifty percent? What do you have to do as opposed to a zero? Because well, you can so, still get a zero. Right. So here's what I would say. What's the, hold on. Answer my question. Sorry. What's the difference between a kid that gets a zero and a kid that gets a fifty percent? Uh, I don't know. Can a kid just put their name on the paper and look like they tried and get a 50%? No. I think that goes to a different cultural shift in one's classroom. When I, in, I'm just playing on, devil's I know. Yeah, no, I, and that's and a, you're my bringing point, up a legitimate point in terms of, first of all, um, if I handed it in on time, I put in a really good amount of effort to make sure I got it in on time, but then, you know, clown in the back, yeah. hands it in late, gets the same grade. I can understand why that would make... Um, certain groups in the class upset. I'm not worried about those groups, really. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm, I'm saying it's I, a legitimate point. I, I, I'm worried about, we've talked a lot about 
and I, I think you make a great point, Peter, that the grade just reflects learning. But I also think those non-cognitive skills, the effort, the organization, the managing your time, we, do, we know that those are important to kids' academic success. And teachers, I think, work hard to get kids to instill those in kids. That's fine. And those can be a separate. You can they have, can be assessed separately. What if that consequence is therefore you can only, you're, you are remaking up, if it's an exorbitant amount, you are remaking or reassessing these during lunch, your lunch period, or you're reassessing these after school or before school or on your own time. Um, I'm going to let you do that. Uh, but it's not going to be during my class time. The mantra I've kind of come to think of is like, if it's important enough for you to sign it as a teacher, it should be important enough for you to make kids do. It's important enough for kids to complete it regardless. So that you need to follow through and make sure that they're completing it, whether it's today, whether it's three days, five days. Chase them down, do whatever you have to do. Yeah. And on a secondary point, interestingly enough, talking about, as you just said, soft skills. So Doug Lamov, who is, teach like a champion. Teach like a champion. Um, he just tweeted something in the last couple of days. I don't have it saved anywhere. Uh, an article talking about how schools that overly focus on on soft skills is actually a, like a lowering of expectations for the kids, and that they end up not doing as well um, is schools that, in addition to those soft skills, also focus on the sort of like hard, concrete academic skills. So schools that want to just go, oh no, we're just teaching them. You know, fill in the blank soft skills, time management responsibility, work completion habits, um, study skills, all that, that that actually doesn't benefit students. In the no, world. but I'm, I'm not saying – I'm not talking about the teaching of those. I think that is important, some teaching of those. I'm talking about what Doug's talking about, which is holding them accountable for those. Yeah. Right? I mean he's saying that um, – I guess he's saying though that those academic skills are are – Equally, if not more important. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as the sh- as the sh- as the not really show host, I had no idea that we were going to replay our. <laughs> I got sta- us off sta- the rails. I standard, apologize. Standard space grading discussion. It's a good discussion. All right. Should we take a break and come back and get into uh, school safety and security, or do you guys want to keep talking? I think that's great. Okay. All right, folks. We when we come back, we are going to very carefully delve into school safety and security and discuss the recent events at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. Don't go away. Thanks. Welcome back to episode 14 of Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. Thanks for not going away. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Peter Crable and Mr. C.H. Siddons. So uh, before the break, we had mentioned that we were going to talk a little bit tonight about the events um, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Broward County, Florida on February 14th, as everybody knows. Uh, 17 people were killed at Marjorie Stoneman, 14 students and three staff members, a um, tragedy of epic proportions at the school, and I would argue for the nation, unfortunately, a tragedy that has occurred before in the country. Um, I was a principal when the events of Sandy Hook took place. And um, now we're here again talking about a um, 
shooter in a public school um, with many students and staff members losing their lives. So um, we thought that we would get into it. We know that it has also created a lot of national discussion about school safety and um, even constitutionally about the Second Amendment and gun control laws. So, um, fellas, I just thought we would first talk about just briefly your impressions when uh, you found out what had happened, what what was in your minds as educators. Um, only one of us now works full-time in a school. That's you, Mr. Crable. Yeah. So every day you're around locked doors and involved in drills to keep kids safe. Let's start with you. What did What did you think? I'd like to say that I was shocked, but I wasn't at all. I mean, you know, it's not something that I think about on – a consistent or daily basis. Although I guess I do some just in terms of like, I think sometimes in my mind, I'm like, what if, uh, what if, yeah, what if, you know, yeah. you're sitting there like writing email and you're just like, I wonder what if, right. Um, you know, but we've made, we made a decision as a country. It, it, at some point at the very least, you know, at least in 2012, that it's okay to, for people to have access to these weapons, you know, when, what was it? 20 or 15 first graders were killed mm-hmm. and we did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, literally nothing. Literally nothing. Yeah. No, no, I, I want to point out that's not true. We didn't do anything. You know who did something? Hmm. Schools did something. Schools did do something. Prior prior to Sandy Hook, and you'll remember this because we were all three working together at the time, and, and I got a little bit of flack from it from the staff that had to do it, not because they not because they didn't agree with it, because it just changed things. But we didn't have we didn't have a security entrance system yeah that's true when before sandy hook and do you guys recall after sandy hook that i had a table set up in front of the front door for the rest of the year that was that was that was had a staff member there all all day long to open the doors Mm -hmm. it seemed kind of extreme but then what came out of that were the were the security systems that managed the doors in all schools so again educators did do something i just want to point that out and Uh, the, the the congress did nothing right and, you know, I try not to re- read too much about it. Like, I didn't want to consume, consume, consume about right. it because um, it is pretty close to home. And, and when I do start to think about it, it is really upsetting because everyone in schools is vulnerable. I mean, a school is a soft target, essentially. Um, but I did read one article about um, about the shooter uh, where I kind of delved into his educational history, um, things of that nature, and... You know, was he a troubled kid, quote? Yeah. But was there, aside from the comments of wanting to be a school shooter, which is obviously a pretty big red flag, him working through the system and working through the school system's interventions as well as the parallel social services system, that is in no way uncommon. So the sort of characteristics of this kid... um, he he's not an anomaly. Yeah, no. yeah, I, yeah. It didn't shock you, right? No. Yeah, these kids exist. There's, yeah. there's, we've experienced. We've, there's, tr- yes. right? There's kids that are going through things in their lives who lash out in certain ways. There are kids that, um, you know, maybe have mental illnesses that act out in certain ways. There's a huge continuum of kids doing things that they, you know, like shouldn't quote shouldn't be doing for any number of reasons. So, any sense that oh, we should have known there were all these signs that we should have known. Right. No, I don't. Be- I don't believe that at all. But what do, I mean does does the person, does the student, does the child have access to a butter knife? 
Right. Or do they have access to right. military-style weapons? That's where I come in. Same thing, where it's like, yes, she never should have had it, but, you know, based on where he was, you know, you couldn't be like, oh, you can't have a gun or you can't have this when you live in a state like Florida where anybody can go anywhere and buy a gun yep. for any reason. Yes. At any, you know, at any at time. Any, not any age, but, you know, 18. Basically. So. I, I'm like you, um, that I, I tend in these situations to get um, – overly interested in the um the shooter um i i was interested at the same time in sandy hook just i think maybe from my educator's perspective of how why what did the schools do on behalf of this kid i think sometimes i i do that to the exclusion of looking at the victims and, and who they were right and i it's almost too painful for me to when i read the bios on the kids oh, yeah. um so sometimes i think i go to okay i'm i want i want i want to figure out the 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 psychosocial profile um because an ed, as an educator i'd want to figure out how i would deal with that student right exactly um but this time i really tried to make myself read about the kids and the staff that were victims in the shooting because um it's ju- it's just almost more than I can take, but uh, it's uh, I don't know. I, I'm running out of things to say because it's when you talk about them, there's not a lot to say. It's just lives extinguished. And I, I, it's it's so just it's just it's bizarre to me that now the debate has shifted to arming teachers. That is the bullhorn. I wanted you to bring that up, and that that is like it's. I, I don't expect anything to change, first of all. I have such low expectations that anything substantial is going to change. I do think things are going to change. I, I just – I have such low expectations, first of all. Second of all, the the fact that – it's one thing that things are not going to change, but it's another thing that the, the main argument from our moron president <laughs> is that that we should arm teachers. Mm-hmm. And that just – it's just beyond the pale to be like – that that's how you're going to solve it. That's really if, that, that's such a low ball. Uh, it's just disgusting. If we arm teachers, which will never happen in Maryland, by the way, no. but won't, I, won't won't happen in most states, right? Yeah, I I would I would be done. Yeah, I'm done as an educator. As, I'm an ed, I'm go, I need to have a gun. Yeah. I need to go into a workplace right. where people yeah. bring firearms right. to protect themselves. Yeah, no chance. And, and mind you, this 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 kind of stuff happens in. No other country, no other country, at all. Well, mass shootings do. Mass shootings, yeah, in yes. Syria. No, I'm just I'm no, being facetious, but no. I'm, what I'm saying is like I mean there have been in, some there have been some mass shootings on soft targets in Europe. Yes, and you know what they do after that? They they make changes yeah. to, to make it less possible for that kind of stuff to happen. Well, to bring it back to us, though, I, I do agree that. Um, I mean, this lowest common denominator arming teachers thing is just—it's it, a joke in in my mind. And I don't and I don't think um, I think there's been pretty decent bipartisan response that that's not going to work. Um, I I'm uh, before we go to our next segment, I will say that I am encouraged by the students. Um, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and the mo- them, and yeah. the movement that they have begun. And, and, and we talked about that, you and I. Why is this different than Columbine? Columbine had happened in a high school, the first major high school shooting. Yeah, yeah. Major social, one. Social media. 
yeah. social media. Yeah. And you have a, a contingent of kids who are not letting it go away. No. It's, it's amazing. No. It's, it's, it's great for them. I just hope that they can keep up the momentum. But I, I just, again, I have very low expectations. Yeah. I, I think that... Um, I think that there are going to. I think they are going to keep up the momentum, and I. I don't think that the country seems like. Uh, I feel like it's different. I don't think the country wants to have another one of these. You hear a lot of discussion about how can we how can we keep the nation from having another one of these events. Maybe I. I, I don't want to give him any cover at all. But maybe having ridiculous proposals like arming teachers is a part of this discussion that we have to have right? because um, it's going to be messy to try to figure out what to do to, to keep schools safe. Right. And there are going to be ridiculous ideas about how to do it. Um, I, I'm also very um, encouraged by the private sector and the way that they have come out um, in distancing themselves from certain groups yeah. that would like to continue to be able to get, AR-15s in the hands of 18-year-olds. Right. Taking it upon themselves to to put their own regulations in place Correct. That, right. that affect morality or um, in response to situations as opposed to just the yeah. bottom line. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we in episode 15 are going to come back and talk more about this. Uh, I don't know about you boys, but I'd like to get the student perspective on Ed's Not Dead, um, both locally and maybe even some kids nationally who are going to be leaders of, of this movement. Absolutely. Um, I, I think, I think the, the benefit here is, is that now we as educators are not just trying to keep kids safe. Kids are saying to us and to the nation, you have to keep us safe. Yeah. And that's never happened before. Yeah. All right. Don't go away, folks. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, this momentous Supreme Court decision that is coming um, that is going to impact educators all across the nation. We'll see you in a minute. All right. Welcome back, folks. It is the time of the show where we tackle a uh, public education issue that is probably beyond our understanding. <laughs> and I think this is constitutional law. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. It's not that bad. I, well, we had to sit here and um, Crable's probably the closest thing to an attorney that we have on the I show. I agree. Don't you think? I did yeah. take a constitutional law class in college. Did you? Yes. yes. And, you are, and you are IB educated. <laughs> as, as opposed to me and Mr. Siddons that were in the general class. <laughs> we took the general track. <laughs> yeah. I took a school law course once. You did. Oh, did. Yeah, that was you're, you're qualified. It was too. good. I liked that, it. That, that was the weak sauce master school law class. <laughs> I know, but I I left there and I was like, I kind of want to do school law. That's I don't know what that would entail, but I want to do that. Fascinating. It is. All right. So, Mr. Krebs, why is this important? Why is this important? So, a brief synopsis of the case. So, we have Mark Janis, who was a, a public employee um, and part of a union in Illinois, and he did not want to pay his mandatory union fees. Illinois is a state that requires all employees uh, who work in a job with unions that they must pay their fair share dues. So this is basically so that um, it's called a free rider, so that if you don't belong to a union and you don't pay any union dues, that you don't get all the benefits um, of said union. So uh, the only thing that he doesn't have to pay is a portion of his dues that the union has set aside that go towards uh, political activities. 
So Janice has argued that those required dues are a violation of his First Amendment free speech rights because the union engages in speech and causes that he disagrees with. And this is called compelled speech. Right. So he's saying the union is compelling the speech based on what they're saying, and he has to pay into it. Unions. And that all speech is inherently political, really. Correct. Right? And that, yeah. yeah. So uh, unions do not want this case because uh, several reasons, four reasons. So one, they think that it would bring about their demise. There's some talk of somewhere upwards of 10 million union members all of a sudden would be thrown into flux um, as a result of this when you take away dues-paying members, potentially. Um, It would take away worker protection, specifically as it relates to minorities and women. So this is where civil rights groups um, are very concerned because unions do protect minorities and women right um, and other potentially exploitable workers um they say there's no first amendment right to be free from compelled subsidies so the whole argument about free speech and compelled speech and all that is just nonsense and lastly that janice um provides a gross mischaracterization of unions and what unions do essentially are saying that um janice says that Unions are just overly political, that everything that they do is political, um, and really just exist to extract fees from their, their members to exist in, um, and put forth political speech. So the question is, let's say, and we don't know, and we're not going to know probably for a couple months whether um, how this speech is going to come out, but based on the oral arguments uh, that we heard the other day, it certainly seems that the justices are potentially amenable to favoring Janice, right. ruling in favor of Janice. So... Is that a big deal? And if so, why? And if it's not, you know, is it time for unions to rethink their their purpose and, and how they operate? Well, I, I, they're going to have to rethink because at the end of the day, it's probably going to go not go in the union's favor. I think the question the question that comes to my mind is 10% of the of labor force in the United States is unionized. It's just down markedly from 50 years ago or whatever which had a high of of people in unions. Why should people who are not in unions care about this? Because it seems like something that has an will have an impact on not only people in unions but also just the general climate of workforce across the country. I think that has to go. That's the union's argument as it relates to kind of like more in broader worker rights. Um, I think the unions would argue that they've over the years have worked hard to protect. Um, certain benefits and get certain benefits for workers that have been able to be spread to other sectors as well. Right. So, for example, if you have, in this case, let's just say teachers, and teachers have collectively bargained for um, health care, for other types of benefits, for negotiated salaries, etc., that other workers can then look and say, well, look, look what the teachers have. And so they sort of by proxy get those benefits, um, even though they may not be union members. Right. And so I think maybe just the union would argue a general climate um, is created as a result of union activities that's more pro-worker. Can I throw out a little bit of uh, some tinder, some fire into yes. the ar- into this, this, this debate? Sure. It's not really a debate. Um, so I was doing some research this morning during our wind day, and uh, I found a study from Harvard Law School um, that highly unionized districts actually fire more bad teachers. And and the argument that you we've probably all heard is that unions protect poor teachers mm-hmm. and good teachers alike. Mm-hmm. And the study actually said she's from the National – it was on behalf of the National Bureau of Economic Research. She's not an educational researcher. 
And what she found was that by demanding higher salaries for teachers, unions give school districts a strong incentive to dismiss ineffective teachers because of the cost to keep them. And they dismiss... uh, Unionized districts dismiss more low-quality teachers than those with weak or no unions. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me because you'd think in um, districts or counties where unions are powerful um, that they have a legit seat at the table right? Um, in negotiating the kinds of due process uh, that – that school systems will expect for the benefits that teachers get. Right. So um, if you're going to be paid really well, the expectations are going to be really high. Um, and I, I mean, we know of a system that uh, teachers are, are, are paid pretty well. Right. The expectations are high and a, and a very well-defined process is put in place to, um, to support teachers and to also ensure the teachers that are not effective are not in classrooms. And 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 when you when you sent that George Will article, um, which made my blood boil on a number of different levels, what did you pull out of that article that you felt was compelling enough to to bring it up to the table? Um, I I mean I don't other than George Will's big words in his articles. <laughs> I mean I just think it was he does use a lot of big words. I had to look up three of them. I mean I I think despite what unions might say when when Crable introduced this one of your points right Peter was that this idea that compelled speech is a first amendment thing uh unions view that as a reach right, as right. not true i think i think george will with his knowledge of constitutional law um thinks that uh this is this is political speech and that there is kind of an unholy relationship between unions, collective bargaining, and the governments that give the union the sole right to represent employees. Right. So uh, now, I think in other words also, let's be honest, as far as the Koch brothers are concerned, maybe not George Will, that this is another way to dismantle democratic power in states. Um, and to, um, you know, really kind of neuter the Democrat vote machine. And, and I, on, I think, I think unions are lumped into this conversation together. I I can, again, I can only talk about the teachers union, but what, I think they get a bad name because they, we talked about this earlier. They do, their first job is to represent adults, the adults in the room, the teachers, to provide them with better working conditions or at least to try to ensure better working conditions so that they can be most prepared for children. So are they initially formulated to support and to advocate on behalf of children? Not necessarily, but I think the ultimate end game for them, for the unions, is to support children. And I I was trying to think of questions earlier today that I, I was thinking to myself which cl- in which classes do you find um, what does it look like when students are most successful in those classes that this is to either of you in which classes do you find that most that students are most successful what does it look like what is I don't what is what is I, I, you, you lost me <laughs> I so I was thinking like when you walk into a classroom that's that's a, has a very effective teacher in there what is it what are the things that make it so 
either in the class or outside of the class? Kids are learning, they're engaged, they're talking, they're... What makes, what about the teacher makes it, gets it to that point? What has happened before that? You're going to say something about planning. <laughs> well, I pre- walk into your trap. They've had lots of time to plan and collaborate. <laughs> they're, they're, they're prepared. They're prepared. Yeah. They, the, if a teacher is stressed out, if a teacher is upset about their own working conditions, how does that translate into the classroom? Not yeah, it's not, well. Not that's well. Not a good thing. Yeah. So I, I think and I came up with the answer, actually. So thank you for giving <laughs> the answer. Uh, when they have a teacher who's given the time, the autonomy, the support that they need, which I think unions help do on behalf of teachers, um, I think it impacts kids in a very, very direct way. I, I do think the thing that causes me concern about this is that I do believe that I started teaching in a time where um, maybe I was not reading the paper consistently or there was no such thing as social media when I started teaching. Honestly, there wasn't. Um, you mean you I, had to talk to people like face to face? Yeah, I, I don't. The worst. That's dumb. I don't remember this vilification of teachers that has happened over the last decade, decade and a half. Um, I do feel like there's been a concerted effort on the part of certain groups in this country. The right. Okay. Uh, to, to, to really um, to make teachers out to be um, spoiled, uh, non-grateful, ungrateful for what they get, uh, responsible for all of the student achievement or outcome issues in the country, responsible for failing schools. Um, student behavior, student, what they do outside of the classroom. Correct. Yeah, I mean, everything. I, I, yep. Yeah, everything. So the, the, the nation's woes. So this, to me, is just another step in the direction of let's break teachers. Um, and and I, I mean, that, that concerns me because I feel like this is just another kind of shot at undermining public education, which has happened um, over the last, you know, 25, 30 years. I mean, we could, we spent a lot of time, we've talked about vouchers, we've talked about charter schools, we're talking about Janus, we're yep. talking about, you know, it's, it's, it's this idea that, um, that we should limit the resources or the protections that we give to public school employees because they're not all that good. And um, they're not all that good for for most working people, not even just teachers. But I mean, unions offer that kind of support to advocate on behalf of employees. Well, I think the, I think what Robbie's saying is the narrative is like, well, what are we really paying for? Yeah, true. Exactly. What are we really? getting out? What of are we it? getting out of this? Sure. Yeah, teachers. Teach, yeah, right. Right. Schools. Blah. Right. They're not producing. Right. They're not producing good outcomes. It's it's um, it, to me that that is discouraging because I. I feel like it's this this constant refrain, and um, you know I don't know how educators fight back, Mister Krabs. To your point, I don't know how how um, how we show that um, unions beyond what you said help teachers be prepared, make sure teachers can raise families and have a livelihood right. and and have due process and protections. Um, but maybe there does needs to be some rethinking of of um, how unions represent employees. From a broader perspective, too, I mean, unions, you can argue, are responsible for creating the robust middle class that has, you know, by and large, helped a lot of people move out of the 
the throngs of poverty over the years. Yeah. It's not as yeah. strong any, anymore, yeah. but yeah, the, the federal workforce also. I mean, right. You're, you're right, public public employees. But you got to remember that drives market oriented people crazy. Yes, it does. That, that yeah. um that public sector employees are given the protections and the salaries that um you know it all comes down to taxpayer money right. and 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 there are people out there we've had this discussion you know people in your hometown of Pennsylvania yeah. that don't want to pay taxes that's right um and and listen this this union issue is directly tied into taxes as well I it mean, is it, so um these are all just left versus right kinds of issues all right. Uh, when we come back, uh, by the way, Mr. Crable, great constitutional law description Very of the good. case. Duvelk. Very nice. Duvelk. We did not mention any public law numbers, though. Public law 94142, because that's, that's right. the only one I know. Wow. All right. When we come back, uh, we are going to basically just talk about our lives. Don't go away. I like that. All right, welcome back, folks. Mr. Siddons, you got something you want to read? I have so many funny things to share. All right, just so, go. are you ready? Yeah. Mr. Crable's not even. He's on his phone. He is disengaged. That's attention. okay. Yeah. All right, ready? That, so, describing Janice took it all I out. Found it, I found a, a great article. Um, it's from the Metro Times. I don't even know what... Oh, it's Detroit Metro Times, uh, who has a very close relationship or a history with the DeVos family. The, the article headline is, Why was Betsy DeVos at a Supreme Court hearing about the fate of workers' unions, which we just talked about at length? Let's start with the first paragraph of this article, which I think uh, will make you LOL, or as my younger brother says, lols. Uh, we might as well start with a shared foundation. Michigan billionaire and U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos is basically known for being a garbage person. <laughs> Cold, <laughs> That's cold. That's cold. Not only is she pretty much a moron, but her richer Crable <laughs> just looked at you. He's like, is, right? he, is he reading this or is he? Okay. But her like, richer, what is this publication. But her richer than God family has reportedly worked to set up meetings between Russia and the Trump administration prior to the 2016 election. Maybe Betsy DeVos will be the next person interviewed by Bob Mueller. <laughs> She's also spent much of her adult life working to privatize the public school system, a move that's been both uh, proven to be detrimental to both districts and students. And her brother's a mercenary who would probably like to arm teachers. Yes. Yeah, I wonder who, who would get that contract. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who We're army teachers. Yeah. Anybody have any bids? Blackwater. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, we're not saying another quote. We're not saying she brought, bought her way into the administration, but it does but. seem startling that despite having a hilariously moronic confirmation hearing during which she mentioned potential grizzlies, cue the grizzly music, <laughs> as a reason to have guns in schools, she's now helming the entire country's education system. Did you see her? Um, did you hear, see her sitting in the in the the group discussion? With President Trump and the kids from from uh, Marjorie Douglas. No, I did not. Okay, I didn't. She, even know she, she was, was there. She, oh, really? she, yeah, she was in the circle. Makes sense. Um, I guess. Yeah, and I just, you know, I just. It appeared that she was showing a little bit more compassion than the president, um, but it is. 
it is kind of bizarre that we've had this awful tragedy and no statement and yeah, no statement and going back to her early proclamations of when it might be suitable to arm teachers. Um, and now here we are with this discussion of arming teachers. So uh, the, apparently, the ed, to the education department's credit, I'm going to give the education department credit, not her, but they did give Broward School District a million dollars to assist in, quote, healing. Good. So good. they're providing some money. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Today. All right. Have you seen Changing the Subject Entirely? <laughs> Uh, thank you, Mr. Sidge, for yes. that. Uh, who has seen Black Panther? I have not. Okay. I'm going to, though. You have an excuse because you have two children under the age of four. Yeah. Uh, you have no excuse other than writing your summative reports, which you are s- such a martyr about. I'm, I am a martyr. <laughs> I'm not on the air, I've though. been up until 12 every night. <laughs> That's, I did not say that on, on I've the been air. A, I've been an absentee private, husband. Private, private, private information. <laughs> okay. So why haven't you seen it? It is... I can't wait. I will tell you guys. Uh, first is, of all, I don't like movies. Yeah, we've established Okay, that. second of all, Why don't you... I don't like superhero movies or comic books or anything like that, but I I really ac- I actually do want to see this movie. Tell us what else you don't like. <laughs> I'm not a fan of cof- like coffee with sugar and, and, and cream. Yeah. Not well, a fan. Well we, done. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Um, plus, you can drink black coffee if it's warm, cold. doesn't matter if it's just sitting there for a while. It doesn't matter. It doesn't go bad. Not a fan of sports, organized sports. I don't sports. like sports. Team sports are no, not your thing. No, don't. You, <laughs> Competition, yeah. high school sports in general. High school sports, yeah, awful. I don't like that. Yeah. Awful. What else? American um, football is the I think, worst thing in history. Of uh, s- like sweet pickles, yeah. disgusting. And you're a total squeaker. You're not a fan of spending money. <laughs> no, no, I'm, a, uh, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like when other people wear my shoes. Uh, who tried to do that you recently? Did, you did, and that was all my... <laughs> did I tell you that I tried to wear his shoes? Disgusting. When we were in Canaine Valley? He yeah. would, I, all I needed to do was run out to my truck. He wouldn't let me put on his shoes. It's they, gross. How do they fit you? You're like seven inches yeah, taller that, than That's the other is. thing. He has, I he, have, he has like an 11 shoe size. I have small feet. <laughs> it's very, very... It's something close right to your heart. there. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, what anyway, else? Anyway, what else? Um, that's, that's about it. Okay. That's good. That's about it. Uh, I have some news I'd like to share. Oh. Big news. Let's hear it. So my band, yeah, we're called Soul Witness. That's right. Okay, so one, we now actually have a website, so you don't have to make fun of. You've got two websites. Bandcamp, man. Yeah. Bandcamp. So it's soulwitness.net. Very nice. Dot com. Somebody already took just uh. just to sell to the highest bidder, which was annoying. Anyway, so we're playing at the uh, Brookville Beer Farm on April twentieth. Very good. It's a marathon three hour set. Whoa! Do you have that many songs? No. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be like your hero's fish. Yes. You're going to be jamming. So I think we're, we're going to... We got we have a lot of songs. Um, so we're going to do like 20 instrumentals. Wow. God, you're going to be exhausted, Krabs. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'll be there. Are there going to be like 10 people there? Well, I don't know. <laughs> so At least mean. one. I'll be I'm there. So mean. Are you going? <laughs> I am there. I, okay, I'll no, go. The strategy for this band has been to only play places where people already go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good yeah. strategy. It's a good strategy. <laughs> so you don't have to like bring anybody there because there's already people there. And that's if, why, if did you know? Drinking, all the better. That's true. Did you know that Johnny Cash wanted to play at Folsom Prison right. because it was literally a captive audience yeah. and he was at the low point of his career? There you go. Is this paid? Yes, it is paid. Very nice. Free free food and drinks as well. Very wow. Nice. Yeah. What's so, the date? What's the date for uh, our listeners? April twentieth. Okay. I believe from six to nine. All right. So we're also going to bring on a singer for a set. We're going to play three sets. 
Wow. Yeah. For somewhere between like eight and ten songs. Out in beautiful Brookville. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. That'll be fun. Yeah. It's a great place. Um, so money's a little tight in the Dodd family. So we were thinking about spring break. We haven't told the kids. Maybe just throwing them in the van and just driving down to Florida and getting a place maybe in Clearwater or somewhere and just staying for sweet five days or, wow. or would you just go all in and like drive down to Marathon Key and do it? No, no. Florida is cl- an insanely yeah. long state. Once you get to Clearwater, you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe I drove for 20 hours to get here. Once you get to like Georgia, you're going to be like, I'm done. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to stop. We'll, we'll, we'll break it up into multiple days. Yeah. I think so. I'm going to be in Florida for spring break. Oh, you are. You're flying, though, because you have money. <laughs> I'll be, in, I'll, I'll be in the, uh, on the Emerald Island. So answer me. What do you think? Yeah. If you were to do what we're going to do, which is drive, where would you go? East you, Coast, Fort Lauderdale? That's way... No, I'd go to the West Coast. Okay. The less explored West Coast. Okay. Beautiful to beaches. To the Gulf? Yeah. Yeah. All a right. little bit more chill and like less built up. Okay. There's like a little um, oil on the sand. Yeah, only a little is bit. The, is that is the you're you're a water connoisseur. You I, like you like the ocean. I is do, the, yeah, I'm, is I do. the is the Gulf nice to swim in? And will the kids like it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. I've never swam like on the Gulf side of Florida. Like well, I guess I have up by um, Pensacola in the Panhandle. Okay. But yeah. I haven't gone all in the, the Redneck Riviera. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, goes all our Florida uh, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been there, <laughs> it is the Redneck yeah. Riviera, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right. And and the nice thing about Clearwater is Tampa's there, Bush Gardens. Yeah, so I hear, I hear really nice things about Tampa. Yeah, we can go That's to Tampa. Right. Okay, because Tampa's only like I don't know forty minutes away, maybe. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's maybe what the Dodds are going to do. Uh, Sarah and I I'm, are going to be in Ireland. Okay. We'll be in the Emerald Isle. Okay, do it Irish. We're going to be going to the Emerald Isle with her shillelagh. <laughs> You did better than Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh God! Remember when he tried to do it in in almost forty? Oh. No, was that almost forty? Almost forty. Yeah, slapping the bass. <laughs> slapping the bass, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you're going to you and your you and your bride. Yeah. Uh huh. You're going to the late se- honeymoon. You're going to the Republic. We're going. No, we're not going up to the. We're not crossing the border. No, the Republic That's, is yeah. the South, yeah, brother. Republic oh, oh yes, I'll be Northern only Ireland. in there. Did, he has a thing against political geography, doesn't he? <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> I, I don't remember that. <laughs> there he is. No, I thought I, we thought about doing that, but are you dr- going to be going to County Cork? Oh, I'll be going through Dublin, okay. from Dublin down to Galway. All right, over to Galway, and then back across to Dublin. Ah, and then my say brother say to Bono for me. Ah, we. <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, did you see that performance on Super Bowl? Was it the Super Bowl performance? No, no, no. that was oh, JT. JT did the Super Bowl. Well, who who played in the middle of the by Statue of Liberty? Bono. <laughs> the, the middle U2. of the World Series. <laughs> when was that? I don't know. New Year's Eve, maybe. Anyway, it was awful. <laughs> they they were, played out in on like a barge, Statue of Liberty. We never talked about it. It was terrible. I, one time, I heard Adam Carolla say that you two had made a living. You're the band guy out of that guitar chord that they that they do yeah. that's just yeah 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 that, that one that one is, just, is that true i mean yeah he uses like echo on every song but it yeah. sounds super cool it's catchy why why, why were they bad then it was, they're just it's dried up it's old it's they're playing this it's just the same it's just not good i will tell you somebody that grew up in the 80s uh, there for a decade, there was no bigger band in the world. Than I have too. so many they, U2 albums that are amazing. Yeah. They just need to hang it up. Just go. Yeah. 
Octung Baby is their best. I love Octung Baby. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, Mr. Graves? Best I've, YouTube I've never album. listened to a YouTube album before. Are you no, t- no, are not you? YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> are yes, you YouTube. serious? Yeah, start to finish. Wow. No Joshua Tree, no Octung Baby. Start to finish? No. Wow. Okay, that's 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 interesting. Lame. That's lame is what it is. Yeah. You know what that makes As it? my dad says, not everybody likes popcorn. He yeah. wants to be considered a Gen Xer, he is not. Because wow. he just acknowledged that wow. if you were a Gen Xer, I've you never... would you would have listened to Joshua. You two also like Steely Dan, so that's a big knock. Yeah, but in my but book. you had you had told us that you were gonna try to be open minded to Steely Dan. Yeah, and it sucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. I think we're gonna close the show. Wow. With, with with bad language we would not allow in <laughs> classrooms. I would not let my students say S-U-C-K-S. <laughs> wow. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. It's been a great show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Ed's Not Dead, at Ed's Not Dead PC, at C.H. Siddons, at Peter Crable, or me, at R.W. Dodd. We will be back in a couple weeks with, oh, my God, what What episode? That's going to be episode 15. Episode 15. A big one five. And we pretty much have no plan for it, no guests. <laughs> no, we have a lot of plans. We do? I do. Okay. Um, I just don't tell them to you. All right. Uh, so spread the word about Ed's Not Dead. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Share us on Facebook. And uh, check the website out. Right, Mr. Krebs? Please do. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will talk to you soon.